Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Tradical Crypto Show. Today's guest is joining me from Dubai. Now, this young man is a powerhouse. He has been involved in so much from such a very, very young age. I'm going to make that assumption because you don't look too old right now, my man. And uh, we want to get down to the nitty gritty what he's up to at the moment. Coming into this block blockchain space, because I know he's very passionate about that. I've got uh, Mario Norfolk, founder of the Athena Group of Companies, group of companies that is, and also CEO and finder of IBC Group. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, man. Man, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, really, I am. Hey, um, first question. I mean, look, you, you've got a fantastic story. I'm just going to touch on the story uh, a little bit, and I'll let you sort of go from there around what you've done. But you're obviously an entrepreneur, entrepreneur at heart, and um, you know, you started here with $300 and a plan to door knock uh, selling blenders or something along those sorts of lines, and you built that business very, very quickly to you know amazing success in a very short period of time. What on earth drives you? Where did you get that desire to not just have one success, but have more and more and more and more? It started off as having shiny object syndrome. I won't spend too much time on my journey. So I've managed to achieve success quickly in e-commerce. Um, so I could just focus on the value to your audience. But what drives me every day? I don't know, man. And it's, it's, it's been in a mystery for me, especially in the last few months. Last year, IBC was scanned. So I lost a lot of money. Uh, a lot of people in the space know it. I've had podcast interviews about it where it crippled the company and the people that scammed the company from the inside also, you know, they were close to me as well. So yeah. on a personal level, it's very difficult. It's a very disturbing story how deep it was. And then I still woke up every morning. Um, and when people ask me why, the only answer I can give is, is what other choice do, you have, do I have? You know, it's nothing, every decision I make has to have logical choice. Uh, source, logical sense and there's no sense in sitting there with a bowl of ice cream watching Netflix it just why what difference would it make to reality and I, I kind of have a stoic mindset as well so if you've got if your audience are traders they've probably gone through hell and back especially um, you know during tough times in the market um, when you wake up the next day uh, having a stoic mindset I think puts you in the right state of mind as a trader, yeah, as a trader, being in the right state of mind is paramount. You have to get your emotions out of it. As I've done trading a long time ago. I was banking finance, but I did a lot of courses. So I, lo I loved trading. And, and the same in business, you know, taking your emotions out of it, being very objective about reality and having a stoic mindset in which, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I'm still waking up in a warm bed, having a warm shower, a shower and a nice meal. Whatever happens in the market, I've got the same bed to go to. That's the right mindset to have because it allows you to make decisions very objectively. Objective thinking is absolutely the right way to be as a trader and in many other areas as well. Of course, being able to have take away any sub subjectivity is what we specialize in with what we do as a trader. Myself, I've had to do that and I've had to recreate a different human being that, that sits here and trades. I mean, there's nobody in this office. It's just mine. I don't want nobody around. I've got to be in a certain mindset for that to work. So very stoic. I know, I understand that. I've read a lot about that, a lot of podcasts about how uh, you know, the types of mindsets and, and what it takes. So I, I'm also of the same sort of um, position. I mean, I get people all the time uh, as being a trading educator saying to me, well, if it's so good, why aren't you just doing it yourself? It's like, well, I am doing it myself. And well, why are you continue doing other things? I'm like, well, why not? Like, it's my choice. Like, that's just as dumb as going to Richard Branson going, why didn't you just stop when you had success with Virgin Records? 
because he doesn't want to. It's up to him. It's not up to you to decide what I do with my life. It's up to me to decide what I do. And this will explain why you've got so much going on. So let's just skip forward a little bit because I know you've had plenty of different companies. What spurred your excitement and passion to get into the blockchain space? Because obviously that's a relatively recent market in terms of how quick the uptake's been. What got you here? Again, back to logic. It's an opportunity. I, I saw the value proposition of the technology yep. and I saw that the competition was very low. The people that were making money in the space back in 2017, late 2017, but I got involved, <laughs> they would get eaten alive in the traditional space. Yeah, they were making tremendous amount of money in, in, the, in the crypto space, in the blockchain space. So for me, that I, I sensed the opportunity and then I started educating myself. So to get into, to launch IBC, so I had no knowledge about anything really. Never launched a consulting business, didn't know the space really well, but I educated myself. I would get up every day. I was in Slovenia back then, and my assistant would schedule calls from me from morning till night. Get up and be on calls from morning, walking around the city center till the sun, uh, till the sunset, till 2 a.m. until I collapse in bed. <laughs> day in, day out, seven days a week. So I, I absorbed as much information. I built connections. I networked. I, I had people around me. I had the right people around me. And then I started understanding where the opportunities were and I developed IBC to where it is today, which is a company that helps projects raise capital. That's really our focus right now, uh, helping businesses raise capital, which we can touch on later. Okay. Well, let's, um, we, we had a bit of a pre-chat um, before this interview. And look, it's, one of the things you're talking about is uh, effectively, I'm not quite sure what your term is for this, but you're, you're looking at the moment, if I'm able to say this, to take on some of these other businesses and work with them that were ICOs in say 17, 18, that have kind of just, you know, we, we know a lot of these projects, a lot of these, I know some great projects that are still great projects with great teams, great business use case. Um, you know, that these are not, you know, these, these are gray haired men. Uh, these are intelligent young people combining together uh, to understand and mix a bit of old school business with a new school technology. And I see them as being very, very good businesses moving forward. You're sort of trying to, I guess, dust them off a little bit, repackage them and, and make them look attractive again. Is that also what you're looking to do at the moment? It's a sim similar to a private equity play. So we're only guys doing it now. It's a, it's a great idea and I'm not going to take credit for it. It wasn't my idea, but it made sense as well. Back to trading. When there's blood in the waters, that's the best time to get involved and grab good opportunities. And again, it's taking your emotions out of it. And it's the same here. When I announced that project, you know, I have got I had great support on LinkedIn. People loved the idea, but there were a few people that saying, hold on, you know, ICOs were all scams or, or 95% of ICOs were scams, which is absolutely right. But then again, it's 95%. What about that 5%? So the focus was finding that 5% and then the person would agree with me that yes, there is 5% that was quality. There was quality out there and there still is quality today. Finding those teams, those projects that are working on the product that are focusing on creating value because that's what it comes down to a good investment a good project is a project that's creating value that's what you pay for that's what i pay for i pay for things that bring me value and those projects were what we looked for now what is it that we do we come in once we decide which project to work with and we're announcing them um, on our i should be on our website or on my linkedin uh, we focus on a on a solid team now, that's a cliche. You have to have the right team. Yeah. It goes without saying. Then we focus on the idea that makes sense. Now, an idea that makes sense is an idea that, that's well-timed. The Uber on the blockchain is way too early for that. But if it's a protocol, for example, 
that's what we're building now. We're building the foundation of the technology. So finding the right idea that's, that's growing at the right time. And then we come in and start getting awareness to that. First thing is we announce that we're partnering with that project, which immediately gets attention to it. Me, my team, and other people that I have partnered with. Next is starting to build that community. Mm -hmm. I think there's one project that we're partnering with. They've been around, they're, they're an OG. They're one of the first ICOs ever. Their name is very well known. We'll be announcing it soon. And they don't have much, man. They really don't have, they've got a team that's given up. They, the product is just left uh, stagnating, but they've got an incredible brand name and it's an incredibly passionate community. That community is so valuable. You run a podcast, you understand the value of that community. People that believe in your project, you probably heard of 1,000 true fans. Yep. So valuable. So projects that have a community is something that we, we're really excited about because that community can allow us to even create a whole new idea, which is not the plan. Um, so we will go to that community and announce that, hey, we're on board. That's our direction. That's our plan. Get them to contribute. Tell us, all right, what, what do you guys want us to do? Where, well, that's where the product is at now. It's all open source. You can have a look at the code. We're planning to do this. What are your thoughts? We get them involved. Um, and then we start getting the word out there. You have to get the word out there. People need to know what's happening in your project. Uh, it's just so competitive. Getting people's attention is really hard. And then you just focus on building the product. And then liquidity. You've got traders on your podcast. So then we have to provide liquidity for that project, for people that believe in it to come in and, and, and buy tokens and invest in that project, whether it's through a utility token or a security token. That liquidity is a, a, a key piece of the puzzle. So all these pieces come together, the community, the liquidity, the product, the team, uh, getting the awareness, the marketing out there to hopefully get a, a really successful project out of it. And the return for us is we get equity or tokens in a project. So that project I was referring to, we're getting a, a large, a very large equity stake. Um, so we become vested with that project. That's the concept and we just started doing it. The first case study was a, a tremendous success. Well done. Well, look, a couple of things I want to touch on there. I mean, people talk about uh, the word, I mean, the word scam gets thrown around, around so often in crypto because yes, there are a lot of scams. I mean, let, let's be honest, but there's scams everywhere. The 95% rule of, of um, you know, people say 95% of them are scams. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I think that 95% will fail, just the same as 95% of businesses fail. These are businesses. The difference here is that people feel like they're being scammed because they're the ones that are invested into these, into these businesses. Now, when you start a normal business, you're not necessarily, if it's your first business, you're very unlikely that you're going to go and raise capital very unlikely you're even going to have the balls to go and ask for, for capital, apart from maybe your parents or some close friends and family. But we're seeing this in the ICO boom that people were asking for money. These are businesses that did fail. 5% have kept going on. Now, the people that have, scanned, have been scammed, they've been scammed by themselves because a lack of education really leads to bad decision-making process. And the fact of the matter is, is that while crypto was going up, especially Ethereum at the time was very, very highly priced around that end of um, 2017, start of 2018, people weren't thinking. They were just punting. They were literally just throwing darts at a board and a lot of people did very well. But a lot of people didn't know when to exit or even how to exit to consider the locking in those profits. And I think they scammed themselves. And there's a lot of good businesses out there that were not scammed, that are not scammed. And they've just, you know, their runway has diminished and again, it's by poor treasury management. If you need to have, so let's say it's 18 months to get a working product up and running based around what you're trying to achieve and you've got enough you know, token uh, or enough in the bank, so to speak, that you could liquidate 35%, 40%, 50% of that and have three years of running in cash, 
And that's a decision that needs to be made. And it's really, really risky to risk the whole business on the most volatile asset class in the world. And we've seen it time and time and time again, where poor treasury management just doesn't, they just kill themselves because of it. Why, are the, why is this happening? You made three really good points. First, that the term scam is just so loosely used right now. I made a video about this not long ago because it just, it was, it was mind boggling. Even I was called a scam at one stage, caught me completely by surprise before they removed it. And okay. then, exactly, it's insane. And then some people asked them, why is Mario a scam? No explanation, honestly nothing. And then all they complained about was my marketing because we're very aggressive on LinkedIn. That's it. I'm guilty of being an aggressive marketer. If you wanna call me a scam, great. If you're smart, you'd learn from my strategies because they're working for me. So yep. it's a very loosely used term. Now, if you look at ICOs, over 95% of ICOs fail, it's a total scam. All right, look at these numbers. Projects that wanna raise capital, entrepreneurs that wanna raise capital, 5% of them manage to raise capital. I saw the stats recently. I actually made a video about it today on LinkedIn, getting a lot of traction. 5% raise capital, which is a success. Yep. Out of that 5%, over 90% over of startups fail. So if you're lucky 5%, you're lucky enough to be part of most likely that 90% that will not succeed with the VC backing, with the capital. So that's reality in the traditional space, but in, in, in the ICO boom and the crypto, it's a scam. Now there are scams, of course, and it's more scams in the traditional space because there's no regulation, it's very nascent. That's expected. It doesn't make everything a scam. And if you're gonna be naive and think that, you'll miss opportunities that I'm not missing because I'm logical enough to see that there are these opportunities. Um, there are a lot of projects that didn't make the right decision. And you talked about uh, you know, the price of Ethereum being very high and, and people scamming themselves. And that's going back to you know, the whole herd mentality, get rich quick scheme. When things were too good to be true, they probably were. Remember that. Anyone needs yeah. to know what. When things seem too good to be true, they probably is. When the world feels like it's falling apart, it probably isn't. That's your emotions talking. So if you balance it out, whether you're, you're an entrepreneur, you just raised a lot of money with ICOs, you didn't take any cash to run your business, you kept it all in tokens that collapsed, or whether you're a trader that invested in, in some of those tokens, you didn't take any winnings off the table. Now, even if you participated in the hype, it's not a bad thing. No. But no, take some chips off the table as trading one-on-one to cover your losses because you no, don't know when, when, when the music will stop. Um, and, and a lot of projects didn't know that back in the hype. Yeah, and it's just a massive bit of inexperience. Um, you know, it, it did seem like the, the aftermath did, I mean, I, I just assumed that that's what they would be doing. You know, you've got a, all of a sudden you've got a company with its market cap of, you know, 400 million and they've got no product and they've got no idea and they are literally a startup. It's the reverse business model, you know, start with nothing and have enough money to cash out <laughs> and live a happy life for the rest of your life. It's the revert, like, you have to put the 10 years of work in, you just start from day one and you're rich. And a lot of people did do this, but they failed. To, to see the rainy day and every business has a rainy day. And this market, I mean, if, if, you, if you couldn't see a rainy day coming, then your eyes won't open because it always happens. Markets go up, markets go down. They'll go higher than you think they can. They'll go lower than you think they can. One thing you've got to make sure you're on is the success and longevity of the business and its ideas. And I think a lot of them missed out on that. Now, just reversing back a little bit because we could talk about this all day. Um, on the marketing side of things, so you're, you're talking about repurposing uh, certain projects, um, building the community, getting the word out there, and, and what you're doing at the moment. And I think it's fantastic to see, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing who you're working with. But I mean, 
marketing still plays probably the biggest part in crypto because let's be honest, as much as we might like to think that this industry right now, it's um, at a certain point, uh, as in you know, a lot of people know about it, we still have a very young and naive investor base. Now, I don't mean just by age. I know we do have a lot of young individuals that are in this space that might not have the same level of education as someone like yourself or me or people that haven't been working in banking finance investing before. The interesting thing that we've got is that they are still driven by shiny things. I talk about it all the time in trading. There's always a shiny thing to go and chase after. And if you keep chasing the shiny things, you'll never actually understand what makes you good as a trader. And that's yourself. Um, so what degree of marketing do you think? Um, how, do I, how do I phrase this? I suppose the question is marketing is still a huge, huge, huge part of it. Do you think you can have a terrible project, but hit the nail on the head with marketing and it still be successful purely on speculation? Well, that's what 2018 was. All these projects were pure marketing. And, and if marketing doesn't work, look at the projects that raised hundreds of millions of dollars. There was one project called Veritasium. Have you heard of that yeah, project? Yeah. That's insane. How I couldn't believe, you know, that came up in the news that the SEC now took action freezing its assets. That was one of the projects that mind boggled me in 2018. They got to a valuation of almost a billion dollars. It was him. And his son running the business, his son called us one day to ask for our advice in 2018. And uh, just seeing the quality of his videos and the work he's done, he's obviously done something right with it. I, I don't know what he did right. Uh, he had mediocre marketing, but the, the product didn't make sense to me. So there's a lot of these projects that did not create value. Most projects didn't create value yeah. and they managed to raise a lot of money. So it shows the power of marketing, especially during um, when there's a lot of hype, when everyone's just really excited. Um, but marketing is key because no matter what you do, if no one knows that you're doing it, if no one knows about the value you're creating, it's not going to help, especially when it comes to uh, projects that require users to grow. You know, without those users, without getting a bigger community and more users of your platform, Ethereum wouldn't exist if people, you know, without Vitalik's face and the buzz they got in the early stages. There are technologies that are much better now, but everything's open source. So if you think about it that way, it's all about the marketing game. It's all about which project gets more awareness and gets more users quicker than the other. It's not the best technology because you can copy someone else's technology. Yeah. So if you can go out there, you can find Ethereum, copy their code, don't even bother about improving it and put the face of Mark Zuckerberg as a backer of your project or any other you know, big name in the space, in the tech space and get a lot more users or partner with Facebook. Look at Libra. Their, yeah. their technology is nothing special. They picked uh, the best of various technologies. I made a video about that as well. They picked the best of the best from various technologies. And they put Facebook backing it. They got a, a strong consortium of other companies backing it uh, as the founding members. And you know, they're going to win. Why? Because they got such traction. The marketing is already done. They marketed you know, They didn't need to do much marketing. So yes. I think crypto, marketing in crypto is more important than traditional businesses. It's as important in many cases to, to tech, but even more important because it's all open source. Um, if, if it is a protocol we're talking about. It's all you got, right? Exactly. If it's open that source, community. all you got is your community. And without that community, and I think that's where a lot of projects, that you read it a lot. Look, In all honesty, I don't spend too much time reading about what, he said, she said, because I'm really not interested in other people's opinions uh, outside of a select few, of course. So that's the trader in me. And you spend years and years and years perfecting what you do. I don't want to hear the noise. I'll just focus on what I do. There's only one person that can make my decisions, and that's me. 
Um, I've seen communities get neglected. Um, you know, companies that are like, well, we've got the money and they go quiet. And that's, I think to myself, there's not a more, you know, silly thing to do. Cause if you have your community and they turn on you, not only do you not have community now when you could have grown a community and had fans, cause you, you see what it's like. People, people post all over Instagram, Facebook, they're shilling the projects. So that's a new word that I've recently realized in, in since coming into this space, shilling's a big one. Um, and they're just a walking, talking billboard. Piss them off. Well, they become cancerous. And it's very difficult to get rid of a cancer once that cancer starts to spread. There was 2018, that hype caused a delusion. People, not unlike me and you, which you know, we know the traditional space, we didn't start our careers in crypto. People that did start their careers in triple crypto, their first startup was an ICO and they raised those millions and got a community so easily. Yeah. Or those other individuals that built a consulting firm and managed to make millions with a mediocre team and, and uh, you know, mediocre marketing. They assume that this is just easy. It's not as difficult as we know. Building a community is torture. It is so difficult. Some of the smartest people uh, that I've met still can't build a community and they've got tremendous value to offer. Yet you've got a project that sounds cool and because you, you were the first one to come up with this idea, mm. you've got uh, you know, 50,000 people in your Telegram group that actually believe in your idea. Just because it was easy for you, doesn't mean it would be easy again. Cherish that community because if you're not, people like me are gonna come, we're gonna take it over, whether we take over your entire project, or we're going to copy your project, do a better job, and that community will come to us. So uh, it, it, don't, be, don't be in that delusion. If you're, I don't blame you if you started your business in crypto um, because that's all you understand. But what happened in 2018, don't wait for it. I know some people are still waiting for that hype. STOs will not bring that same hype. Nothing will bring that hype till you're probably when you're 40, 50, a new generation, some new uh, exciting thing. But such hypes ha happen very, very, very rarely. The last one was back in 01. And when they do happen, if you're lucky enough to capitalize on them, great. But don't delude yourself to think this is reality. It's not. Building a community is one of the hardest things in business right now. Even with me, I've got successful companies outside of crypto, making seven, eight figures. Building a community is still hard for those ones. Managing my community, I cherish every single customer, even if they pay me $5. I cherish them. My team cherishes them. So you should do the same in crypto if you want to win. Couldn't agree more, not just in crypto, but everywhere. Fans are good. People that love what you do are so important. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just take a short time to announce that I love you. You're fantastic. I'll do everything for you. You're my family. Keep listening. <laughs> okay, so what, last thing I want to sort of touch on here so we don't go too over the, uh, the time frame here, mate. Um, what do you see is, I guess, the most exciting thing uh, in our space at the moment? Is it Libra? Is it... The, the, the voice that we've got now, uh, Congress is going to fight it. Facebook's going to fight it now. As much yelling back and forth goes, it becomes a game, just like tennis, one ball goes back and forth. People get interested in that. And of course, we'll bring new people in. What do you see as being the, um, I don't know, maybe not pivotal, but what's the talk of the town at the moment? Like, what do you see as being the big shift for this space in terms of um, people picking it up and using it, more speculation, whatever it may be? I think everything that we expect, whether it's Libra or uh, security tokens or uh, mass adoption, all these things or the killer app, everything will happen. It's a matter of when. Yeah. Innovation takes time. What people don't understand is that innovation takes decades to take effect. People overestimate the short-term impact of something exciting, but they underestimate the long-term impact. 
And that's where, you know, value players see that long-term potential. Now, in the short term, what's exciting right now that I think would make a difference for people looking at monetizing that trend, that technology like me, people in business, etc. Uh, liquidity for security token offerings is something that's been talked a lot about. STOs are a great concept. They bring a lot of value. They're more efficient than traditional bond issuance, etc. Uh, but what it's lacking is that liquidity. The sooner that liquidity comes in on the secondary markets, um, I think you'll get a lot more institutional money coming in. And it's the same discussion I have with many investors, whether it's a family office or high net worth individual or general motors, etc. They when we talk about security token offerings, it's all about that liquidity because there are quality projects. There is credibility. The foundation is there. Everything's getting set up or it's about to, to, to get to that level. Yep. Uh, once liquidity comes in, I think it's a pivotal step uh, as the industry continues to mature. And things are moving a lot faster than I expected. I did not expect us to be talking about Libra in 2019, but it moved so quickly. Facebook took action so fast and it's just a matter of when before uh, it gets to the next level. Well, first mover advantage is obviously something great if you can get a hold of it. Look at Uber. Uh, not the best product out there, but everyone uses it. Um, so, okay, on that, I want, I want to touch on that, uh, you know, what you're talking about, how fast things are moving at the moment and uh, the liquidity uh, issue in STOs because I, I see there being two sides to that. I think it depends on the business uh, as to how much liquidity is required um, and it depends on are you trying to look for investors or are you looking for projects? Because let's talk about a, um, uh, a private investor or, or a private group of, um, you know, let's, let's call a real estate portfolio. So they've got $500 million of assets. And what they want to do is obviously they want to be able to use uh, their assets to leverage themselves to buy more assets when the right appropriate projects come up for them to do. Now, if they can go ahead, they might not want to go and do a, a raise, a typical raise, which obviously gives away equity. They may not want to go and list on the stock market as an REIT, uh, wherever the jurisdiction may be or whatever they call it there. They may just want to have the ability to share out that development. Now, of course, they're going to give away equity, but they can choose just how much they give away in a much more controlled environment. Now, let's say they've got a $500 million um, portfolio and they go, well, we'd like to release 10% of this portfolio to the general public. Now you're buying into the entire portfolio here. So you're buying a, you know, a chunk of a Manhattan penthouse apartment that's worth $120 million. You're buying into, you know, something in the middle of Moscow that, you know, we can't normally buy into unless we do all the research and have, you know, at least a hundred million dollars to be able to position ourselves globally in the blue ribbon space because blue ribbon, that higher um, echelon of, you know, billionaire money, it doesn't really get affected too much. It typically goes up. Billionaires, unless they wreck a really big mistake, tend to remain highly wealthy individuals regardless of what a market does. Sometimes they'll, they'll you know, grow a lot in a falling market. So we can invest into those sorts of areas where we don't have access to asset classes at the moment. Now, it allows these people to carve off that 50 million hypothetical example here and go and pick up more uh, opportunity. Now, the liquidity for somebody like me you know, it's still going to be more liquid than buying a house and selling a house, right? It gives me the access to a market that I would not normally get access to, diversification across multiple jurisdictions, countries, um, you know, laws and, and all that sort of stuff. And it also allows me to exit at some point. Now, if there's only 50 million available and this is a highly sought after fund, it doesn't need to be a huge amount of liquidity. My order can sit there for a few weeks and that's probably not so much of a big deal for me. It's when, like, because a property can take months to sell. 
it's I do understand the institutional side of that, but do you see what I'm saying? That there's also a secondary market that doesn't require that institutional player. Look, it's it's a discussion I've had with many people in the space. Um, but do you think those investors coming into the space that are investing in those tokenized, whether well, let's talk about real estate, for example, uh, one of the advantages of getting involved uh, in those assets that are being tokenized is the ability to sell them on the secondary market. If there isn't that liquidity there, do you still think there will be that demand that everyone's expecting for STOs, for anything that's securitized, anything that's tokenized? Because that's one of the selling points. It's that efficiency when you tokenize it. It's more efficient than doing it in a traditional way. That's one advantage. But the second advantage, I was looking at one massive bond insurance. Uh, they talked about two advantages. They're very, very traditional. They were doing a bond insurance. They moved it to an STO. Yep. They said it's more efficient. But the, the, the benefit there is very incremental. It's more efficient. It's a bit cheaper. Yep. That second point is that liquidity that everyone's expecting. That they'll be able to to sell that security token to another trader within you know, whatever vesting period they have on the open market. That, that, that ability to have a secondary market is lacking out of many illiquid um, uh, areas in the market. And, and look, fine art is another one. That's a really obvious yes, one. perfect example. Exactly. You know, one example recently is whiskey, tokenizing whiskey. Mm. Can you imagine having a secondary market for whiskey? No, it's just opening up massive opportunity. If there is a market, if there is liquidity for, for, for tokenized assets, the ability to tokenize anything and bring it to that secondary market makes it very lucrative for that big money coming in. Because the amount of money coming into SEOs right now is very small. Trickling. It's only people that, yeah, exactly. And then that's only the investors that expect liquidity to come in. But when liquidity is there, I think the amount of investors coming in because the quantity is already there, they know, hey, this is an advantage that's proven. Not everyone's talking about it. Um, it will increase dramatically. So I suppose that comes full circle back to the beginning where we talked about marketing and how important it actually is. Um, STOs have been a slow burn. There's been a lot going on in the space. Uh, ICOs are almost a dangerous word to talk about these days. Um, they've been you know, marred with so much negativity. Um, and right now, IEOs are also in the space sort of I guess, filling in two of the gaps there. It's very interesting to see is, you know, exchanges are a dime a dozen these days. And again, the issue is liquidity. So look, it's, there's a lot that we're going to be viewing in the next few months leading into the end of the year and into 2020. And look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great racking your brain and um, getting into some detail with somebody that I wanted to get into that detail about because I thought you might have a few answers there and you certainly didn't disappoint. So Mario, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Where can people find out more information about you, what you do and the group of companies that you're a part of? It's very simple. MarioNorfall.com. Norfall is N for Nelly, A, W for Whiskey, F for Fred, A, L for Larry. MarioNorfall.com. Everything's there. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mario Norfall, who is the uh, founder of the Athena Group and also IBC Group, speaking with us today about all things crypto. So thank you once again so much for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Ladies and gentlemen, what a ripper. Have a good day. Bye for now.